Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes. Episode 11. My name is Jared Malott. I'm here with my good friend, Stephen Reed. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic today. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm over the moon. Somebody about to lose their job. Actually, they did lose their job. No, not, not technically yet, but... Um, you, you get where I'm at. Yeah. Regardless, this uh, this past week... The Indianapolis Colts and Phillip Rivers uh, probably played their best game of the season. Let's just start there. Well, that's probably, yeah, probably fair. And, you know, we went into the week saying Detroit Lions are a decent football club, 500 team. Hey, you never know what will happen. Uh, mistakenly, because of how bad the Colts beat the Lions, I thought that it was a home game. So I kept saying that it was a home game even though it was definitely a road game. But that's how you know you're in a good spot when you're rolling. And you're rolling, when I say rolling, I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about the Colts. Uh, when you're rolling, um, you can't even tell what town you're in anymore. just looks the same as it, you know what I mean? It looks like it's supposed to look, um, is effectively what I saw last week. Uh, and the Colts come out of it 5-2. and two. Get to you know obviously host the Ravens in a game we'll get to. Stephen, what'd you think, man? I thought it was a good game for the Colts overall. Uh, you know, you you were able to really like the defense showed out again, which was mm-hmm. obviously the the big question mark for the Colts coming in. Is you know. It, it's always a big question mark for the Colts. Really, is how well is the defense going to play this week? Um, so it was good to see that they had uh, just a solid game overall uh, going into the game. Um, the Lions, I believe, had a pretty good rushing attack um, going in. I'm not entirely sure. Um, regardless, the Colts limited the Lions to, I think, a total of 29 rushing yards on yes. the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and their pass defense was as they've said before, Ben, but not break. They got a Kenny Moore got his first pick six of his career uh, against Matthew Stafford and the Colts scored like, I think it was 15 points in a matter of eight seconds. So that's like Reggie Miller level, uh, level uh, scoring there for, for the Colts, mm-hmm. uh, which, which was nice. Um, now it, it's, it was a good, good win. The defense made some turnovers, made some plays, you know, they're very, very clearly a different defense with, but Darius Leonard, they're at the linebacker position uh, versus when he's missing. 
And so I, I thought it was a good game for the Colts. I was uh, optimistic about them going in, even though the Lions were three and three going in. Uh, I thought the Colts had a great opportunity to really kind of jump on them. There was some some concern at the start of the game when Matt Stafford um, led led them down and, and scored first. Uh, Colts had a block punt to early, which is surprising. You saw uh, Rigoberto um, getting tended to by trainers um, after the block punt, so you were a little bit concerned there. Um, but overall, the Colts really came together and started playing well, and you really started to see Philip Rivers open it up a little bit mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, even though T.Y. was injured for most of the game and didn't play, the Colts still opened up the passing attack, and I, I thought you know, did really, really well. I'm excited to see. I, I was happy with the rushing game as a whole. Um, still want to see more from Jonathan Taylor. 11 carries, 22 yards, you know, 2.2 yards per carry isn't great. It's actually really bad. Um, mm-hmm. And you hope that that's just a matter of still getting used to the speed of the NFL, getting used to the new offense, and really kind of trusting what you're seeing. Right. Uh, but the, on the flip side, Jordan Wilkins played great. Um, he's really right. similar to what we've said with Marcus Johnson. Is Jordan Wilkins, when you give him a chance to play, he always plays well. And that's exactly what we say when Marcus Johnson is, is in. Is when you give Marcus Johnson snaps, whatever reason, he plays well. Um, because he's a good player is my guesstimation. Um, and then the, the most impressive thing, I think, for the Colts on the day was Naheem Hines' touchdown celebrations. Uh, going in and getting the uh, the 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 golf clap from uh, Simone Biles on Twitter, uh, <laughs> saying that she thought that was impressive. So I, I thought that was good. Um, but as yeah. a whole, uh, you really like what you've seen from the Colts, um, and, and I'm excited to see you know a couple guys um, come back uh, this week uh, from injury and see what they can do with with a little bit more playing time. Absolutely. And on the subject of the darn it. On the subject of the Colts um rush defense, uh DeAndre Swift is who I'm gonna hone in on. Okay. In, the two, in the two games prior to facing the Indianapolis Colts, uh and I am not reading a script. I don't have this in front of me. This is off the top of the dome. Twenty three carries, hundred and sixty one yards for six point two one yards per carry and three touchdowns. And brother, he didn't want any of this smoke. He had six carries for one yard. He and Adrian Peterson combined 11 carries for eight yards. When we say shut down a running game, let me say it one more time. Two games in a row, back-to-back games for DeAndre Swift, 23 carries, 161 yards, 6.21 yards per carry. That's like Jamal Charles-level running back play and multiple touchdowns. That also means he's good in the red zone and he had six carries for a yard. He turned the Detroit line, the Colts defense turned the Detroit lions offense into a one dimensional serviceable because Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. Right. So you'd be put in a, a serviceable outing. Um, the difference of course is, what's going to happen in short yarded situations when you're just unable to unable to move the ball an inch. Um, and, and the Colts are so good at, I mean, best in the league at it uh, as a result of the, of their effort last week. 
uh, as, as it refers to like numbers, you know, the numbers game that we're playing. Uh, and just like you said, um, I, I too want every single pick that the Indianapolis Colts make under this regime to work out and immediately. Unfortunately, I'm a very patient person, so I also understand that the number one thing any young NFL player will tell you, the difference between college and NFL game is speed of the game is a lot different. These Basically, once you have millions of dollars and you can afford insurance, you don't mind throwing your body around. But when you're in college, a lot of these guys are saving themselves because they've got real size, strength, speed, agility. They've got the, the next level talent. They're just trying to save themselves. You know, especially recently, how often have you heard about a college player sitting out? Because it's the best thing for their future, right? And then you come into the you NFL. See, this year, you've got a ton of them that are doing it for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. Um, and it's for that, it's that knowing that information makes me have infinite patience with Jonathan Taylor and it has more to do with the thought process that no, going into the, the game last week, I had the, in my mind that the Colts offensive line hadn't blocked particularly well in the rushing, in the rushing game up to that point. And that was what was ultimately inhibiting the Colts rushing attack. And while there are absolutely uh, rush attempts for Jonathan Taylor that he does make the not optimal read, right? And does not take the most, the best line. I think that it's something that you get enough reps at it and you figure it out. And he's a smart kid. One of the best rushers the NCAA has ever had. Uh, certainly probably one of the best running backs the Big Ten's ever had, and obviously probably the best back, if not second best back all time, uh, out of Wisconsin. So I th- I have faith in the kid, and he had an ankle ding up last week, and he, and I think he took himself out and let Jordan Wilkins go out there and shine, and shine he has. That's all Jordan Wilkins has done, right, and Naheem Hines. Uh, those two, since they've come to Indianapolis, have, have been uh, not the bell cow. They, they've not been every down backs. That's not what they're there to do. But I'd, I'd argue their power combined supersedes that of a bell cow. Um, if you just look at the numbers, if you just think about Jordan Wilkins, 20 carries for 89 yards, four and a half yards of carrying a touchdown. Naheem Hines, three receptions, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. That's better. That's a better line right there than Alvin Kamara puts up every week. Probably has more catches, right? But that rushing is important. That's that's ball control offense. That's keeping uh, Matthew Stafford, a very competent quarterback, off the field and limiting his opportunities. Because despite the Colts' defense being out freaking standing, Matt Stafford still was 24 for 42 for 336 yards. Um, he did have three touchdowns, uh, but he did throw a pick and he was sacked five times. He was under duress. Their running game was non-existent. Um, I, I I believe, and I can be wrong. I'm fully comfortable being wrong. This is the most complete outing I've seen from the Colts. Um, I think I want to say since the Vikings game and, and, and then the bears game ultimately, like those were two really sharp outings out of the Colts where they just controlled their opponent front to back. Um, despite 
and again, I, I keep on hitting on that. Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback. So like for him to have a good day and the Colts to still double them up, man, that feels good. That feels good going in. That's a good confidence builder going into uh, the game this week. Uh, you, you got anything you want to continue to talk about here regarding uh, last week, sir? Other than defense um, showed out. Hobby, really. Hobby. Yeah, yeah. I think the big thing, even even talking about the defense, um, some of the guys that aren't getting as much publicity is uh, like Grover Stewart has been fantastic this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's he's earning himself a lot of money. He's probably one of a top five uh, zero technique nose tackle um, in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is really really playing well. So I hope that that continues. And and the pair of him and DeForest Buckner is just crushing crushing defenses or crushing offenses um, because they're they have to double one of them right um which leaves your defensive ends one-on-one with the tackles unless the offense leaves in uh something to chip and yeah. this is something that i'm going to get into when we're talking about um the next against the the game against the ravens this weekend um but one thing that the colts started to do was blitz a lot more and when you've got those guys eating up, eating up uh, blockers uh, up at the front, and you've got one-on-ones, or they they keep the running back or tight end there to chip on the defensive end, that leaves you a free guy to blitz. With Darius Leonard being as fast as he is, Kenny Moore being as fast as he is, Kyrie Willis being as knowledgeable as he is, uh, that really gives the Colts a great opportunity to to put pressure on the quarterback only having to bring like one extra guy if they need to. And so I think the defensive line doesn't get as much credit as, as they should. Um, even though that's, we do talk about them a lot. Um, I, I still think they're underappreciated by the fan base as a whole. Yeah. And I, and I think it goes, it's like a unit award, right? Think yeah. about how great the Colts defense has looked particularly against the run. And again, we keep repeating ourselves and saying the same stuff over and over because it's incredible to think about how, if you just look at the stats, DeForest Buckner, nothing. Justin Houston, really nothing. You know why? That's because the opposing offense has to focus a lot of offensive attention on keeping those two under wraps. And what happens? Everyone else on that defense feasts. Right. Like Kenny Moore is having one of those dream seasons where you're really not you're really hoping it never ends for the kid because he's got like quarterback hits, uh, touchdowns, interceptions, passes defended. He's literally like the smallest person on the field doing the most. Um, And then. Again, I I always sound like a fanboy. I'm an absolute fanboy. Right. But the, the youth of this defense is just showing out. Right. Like Darius Leonard is like the king of the, the king of the AFC South. Right. when it comes to defense and like he is top of the board on the best defense in the league in terms of like impact. But and he's a young cat. And then look at Okariki Willis Blackman, like Taekwon Lewis, uh, Xavier Rhodes, young players. The youth are producing. And, and that to me is like a strong motivator because on lots of teams in the NFL, um, they're they're 
pretty poor at drafting or they're in in an odd position where their youth don't play and they have a lot of veterans that are going out there and they're the ones making all that impact. Um, And I get it at this point. You might as well call like Darius Leonard a vet, right? But he's still in a rookie contract. So like, um, yeah, it's just an exciting game last week. And then obviously this week, it's kind of like playing the mirror, right? Yeah, if you're talking about like you know what they do good versus what the Colts do good, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, because as we know at this point, the Colts are really good at rush defense. Uh, yeah. They're not the top in the league; they're near the top in the league. I know they are the top defense in the league right now. Yeah. Um, and then the Ravens are the top rushing offense in the league. Right. And and so. That that's going to be your big. That's going to determine the game. Is is how well the Colts' defense holds up against the rushing attack of the Ravens, and I think the Colts are in a perfect position this week to really surprise some people. Um, when you look at the the line, I think it's like three, two and a half, or three points. Uh, Ravens mm-hmm. as the favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that means that Vegas thinks that the, the Ravens are probably going to win by about a touchdown. I don't think it's going to be. Um, I. I th- I would I would pick the Colts um, in this game even if it was just a straight pick on um, based on the matchups and, and how the Colts match up to the Ravens. Uh, the Colts defense is fast. They're playing here in Indianapolis, so they're playing on a fast turf. And and the other thing to consider in this this situation is not only um, they're playing here in Indianapolis and they're playing the Ravens. The Ravens right now are also five and two, and mm-hmm. so you're looking at you know, potential, uh, trying to get yourself in a in a position to get that home game. Mm-hmm. And so if the Colts can continue winning and win the AFC South, you've got the Chiefs are at seven and one, the Steelers are at seven and zero, and then you've got the um, you've got the Bills at six and two. Now you've got the expanded playoffs right now with the with it being um, seven teams that make the playoffs, but the one thing I would consider is looking at if you can sneak into that two seed, because they're only a game out of Kansas city or or a game and a half out of Kansas city for the two seed. And they're a half game behind Buffalo for, for the three seed. So there, there's some other implications that go into this. Um, Baltimore themselves are two games out of away from Pittsburgh for the one seed and then, or for the AFC North, but Going back to this game, sorry, I got a little distracted there because I like to play with numbers and, and what-if scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts defense, I think, is attuned to stopping the Ravens for a couple of reasons. They're very good against the run. What the Colts do and when they blitz, their blitzes are very efficient, and they usually get home. Uh, Lamar Jackson is terrible against the blitz. Like, his completion percentage drops like 20 to 30%. Um, his QBR just plummets. When he faces a blitz. Also, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, earlier in this podcast, um, not today, but in, in one of our other episodes, Lamar Jackson is beatable, and the Tennessee Titans showed you how to do it. He struggles with throws outside, outside the numbers, and he throw, struggles with throws 15 to 20 yards down the field that he can't just throw it really, really, really far and let one of his fast wide receivers go get. And so. You look at that and you say to yourself, okay, well, the Colts are in pretty good position at that point 
because they've got a very fast unit on defense. They have the guys that can match up against Mark Andrews, who is Lamar Jackson's like safety blanket target, the yeah. tight end. Um, so you can put Bobby Okariki or Darius Leonard or Kyrie Willis on Mark Andrews and feel very comfortable about how they're going to match up against him. Right? You could also put Kenny Moore. Um, he plays really, really well against tight ends. Uh, you could also, if you want, really wanted to, you could sign Quincy Wilson. He just got released by the Jets. Um, and nah, he's probably ends. the best. Ah, I'm just joking. Um, that, that won't happen. Mm-hmm. But the, the Colts really do match up well against the Ravens uh, in terms of defense to offense. The the one thing that that I think is going to be interesting is if the Colts can match up against the Ravens' defense. So the Colts' offense, it's been hit or miss. Uh, now, the past couple of weeks, they've started to be on an upward trend, which is good. Uh, the Ravens' defense is different from anything the Colts have faced this far. Uh, they're, they're the fourth-ranked defense in the league. Um, they're pretty good. Uh, they're undisciplined. Uh, and they'll be without their top cornerback in Marlon Humphrey. Now, you can echo that and say the Colts are probably going to be without T.Y. Hilton this week as well. And uh, so, the only issue, My only issue with even bringing up T.Y. Hilton is he has not been a factor in a game yet. No, but he he has, but he has. Other than, other than requiring a, a cover, a body, but like yeah, a pro- like productive, he, like he's he not has the ball. So. He hasn't been productive this year, and I agree with you, and I've said that before on, on these podcasts. Is T, I don't know what's going on with T.Y., but the opposing team still has to respect him. Right. And so that's the only thing where I say losing T.Y. does hurt the offense in that you don't have that, Continuity. that potential. You don't have that potential of a player that could literally light you up for 150. Um, now, T.Y. hasn't done that in a year and a half, two years. But it's always with T.Y., you never know. So that kind of stinks um, there for the Colts. But like I said, the Ravens are also without Marlon Humphrey because of the positive COVID test. So yep. is that that's um, confirmed he's out Sunday? I believe so. I, he had a confirmed positive. Now, the, the other players that were around him uh, that were in close contact actually just came back and, and were, were all tested negative. Similar to the Colts, uh, Colts had four players that were in close contact with a member of the staff that had mm-hmm. tested positive. Um, those, got, those players have all come back and tested negative and are, are available to play in the game this week. And so that's similar to what happened with the Ravens. The, the Ravens had a couple really big-name guys, and, and Patrick Queen their first round linebacker who has played great this season, again, undisciplined, but great. Um, and then they had a couple more guys on their defense that, that would have been huge losses if they weren't able to play, uh, but they are going to be able to play this week. So it's not, it's really not much to talk about um, at least in that, that respect. So, yeah, I, I think the Colts really do match up. Well, I'll be interested to see how the offense and whether Frank Reich just attacks the Baltimore defense, because there, there are, places there there are ways that you can attack this Baltimore defense um that you can really kind of exploit it you know attacking the, the inside linebacker middle linebacker they're relatively slow um and so you should be able to use your tight ends or your big slot receivers and attack that middle of the field against the Ravens you I don't know how comfortable you feel attacking the outside um with with the Colts receivers and, and who they're going to end up having 
um, <laughs> lined up out there. You don't know. I think I think you're going to see a lot of uh, kind of like heavy run heavy sets for the Colts, like two and three tight end sets. Um, you're going to yeah. see probably a lot of Jonathan Taylor. You're going to see a lot of Jordan Wilkins this week, and that's that's my guess on how the game will play out because I think that that's how Frank Reich wants the game to play out. Yeah. If the Colts get down early, though, you could see him start to open Changes it up. Changes everything. Really like reverse play. Yeah. And yeah. so, but I, I think they're they're going to be pretty conservative and, and hope that the defense can can really carry them this 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 time. Yeah, I think this is uh on. I, I hate to to pile on a, a Ravens team that just lost a squeaker to a rival last week, um, but they're coming into a game just like you said where they're effectually playing the mirror in that the opponent is good at what you're good at. Um, the Baltimore Ravens on offense are the best rushing team in the NFL. And it's not particularly, they're like a couple hundred yards ahead of, of the second best rushing team in the NFL. Um, so they definitely run the ball more. They get about five and a half yards of carry, which is a lot uh, on offense. Uh, but the Colts don't play that game. So they're gonna have to do something else. Um, because it's just going to get your quarterback hit and hurt. Uh, and the key differences between uh, the Colts, be, between them on defense, is that the Colts are sound all the way around in every statistical category, uh, both against the run and the pass. They're just really good. They have 11 interceptions. That's league leading. Uh, the Ravens' defense has three. Um, so my primary thought process is if, if, if I'm the – if I'm the Colts, is the the Ravens give up 4.4 yards a carry on the ground, I can beat them on the ground. Easy, all day, and I'm pounding them on the ground. Why? Because their best cornerback is out, and now if I'm also running the ball down your throat, I can basically do whatever I want on offense. And if I can do whatever I want on offense, I don't know about anyone else. I understand the, the, the adrenaline rush we get, we all get, when the Colts go no huddle. And it feels like you're literally just like a snowball and it doesn't matter what's it's just going to get bigger and it's just going to get faster and then it's just going to score. Right. Um, but you can do the same thing uh, chewing clock. And the thing about the Ravens, um, they score at a high clip on offense, like uh score touchdowns at a high at a high clip they're one of the best scoring teams in the nfl um but they're also um dependent on scoring touchdowns from outside the red zone so like on long plays and it, that, that that plays into the colts defensive scheme right is they're taking away the deep ball forcing you to throw underneath and then shutting down the run um, it's just going to make it very difficult for um, uh, Lamar Jackson on third down because it's going to require timing and precision, um, which which is kind of funny that I say that, even though I'm bringing it up, uh, is the Ravens are really good on third down on defense. Um, that's because they have to play against Lamar Jackson <laughs> uh, every day in practice, and he's going to get you on first and second down sometimes, uh, but you're going to have to stick around because when it's third and three and they've got a really good run game and the defense sells out to stop the run and Lamar pulls the ball back to pass, uh, that's where the d difference in the game is going to be because the Colts, I think, with Phillip Rivers and they're up against the soft rush defense with a team that wants to run heavy, right? With their number one wide receivers, iffy, 
their number one corners, if he, if not out, right? So put the game between the tackles. I think the Colts win that on offense, just given what the numbers say, right? I just told you, right? And I'm talking more to the listener than I am to you, brother. Uh, the Ravens average give up 4.4 yards a carry on the ground. That's really soft. For contrast, the Colts give up 3.2 yards per carry, which is really good. So if you know you can run on them, your best arguable best white receiving option, Naheem Hines, Moali Cox, sorry about you, T.Y., um, your, your best receiving option in terms of wide receiver, best wide receiver, best overall wide receiver, most tenured wide receiver is out. It's it's again on the youth of the team uh, to step up and and be the be the next Marcus Johnson, right? And I think like Darius Fountain got elevated. I don't even know if he'll play, right? He just he just got here. He may not suit up even. Um, but it, it'll be another one of those weeks where you kind of wonder which which card is Frank White Frank Reich going to show you this week, right? Because last week it was Jordan Wilkins in my mind, right? 20 carries, 88 yards, four and a half yards a carry. Like that's showing people something they haven't seen before. Now we've seen it in these small sample sizes and been like, huh, that's interesting, right? He's a pretty good rusher, right? But we haven't seen him get a full workload. And then we've, we remember, we, you know, guys on, on this podcast, we've talked about Naheem Hines and Mo Ali Cox and how efficient they are. And Hey, you know, pe- Pro football focus is stupid, but look how good Mo Ali Cox looked according to their dumb model, right? And then we go watch it and we're like, yeah, you know, actually, you know what? Mo Ali Cox plays really well. He's out playing Jack Doyle, right? I'm not sure what's going on with Trey Burton. Well, to be completely honest with you, I really like Trey Burton and Mo Ali Cox as uh, tight ends in terms of like receiving tight ends. And Jack ain't half bad either. And when I say that, He's still a really good tight end. He's just not as much of a receiving threat as he once was, right? So the Colts are still, in my eyes, developing on offense. They came out of their shell a little last week when they got spooked, just like they did prior, you know, game against Cincy when he got skunked early, and they come out of their shell and blow you out. Um, the Colts have certainly sh- shown that no, kind of no matter how the game shakes out, they can play it either way. Um, but if I'm the Colts, I want this game to be very short and I want the ball in the Colts hands, right? I want long eight, nine, 10 minute drives, touchdowns, force them to punt a couple times, you know what I mean? Get it and get it, get out ahead of them because this, I'm going to say the same thing when we play the chiefs, right? You got to get out ahead of them because they are Thanos on offense, right? They're, they're best in the league at running the ball. What does this mean in terms of how this game is going to play out? This means even though the Colts are going to sell out and shut that, shut that down, they're going to rip a couple good ones, right? Some big 20 yard runs. It's going to 20 plus yard runs. It's going to happen. But you limit that, let it only happen to you once or twice, get burnt and then don't let that happen again. And you keep this game real short because from from my perspective, if you can keep them off long deep the long deep pass and keep their run game shut down, they're punting all afternoon. They're kicking field goals. They're doing things that losing football teams do, uh, and that's 
And I'd also add that being soft against the run and best in the league on third down, all that means is that as long as the play goes off, they probably play very aggressive on third down, sell out, like making contact as the ball touches the receiver, stuff like that. And they're heavily, they're more heavily penalized than the Colts. So on defense, so if you think about if you think about what I just said, they get penalized more often and they're really good on third down. What does that mean? That means they're really damn aggressive on third down, really aggressive on third down. And when the play actually happens, it's in their favor. Right. But if you're again, if you're soft against the run. And you have to sell out on third down to get off the field that plays into Philip Rivers, because what is Philip Rivers really good against the blitz? On the other hand, right, you talked about um, Lamar Jackson being really bad against the Blitz, right? Why do you Phillip think he's really, bad? really, really good yeah. against the Blitz? Like but one of the best in the league against the Blitz. One of the best all time against the Blitz. Um, why do you think Lamar Jackson's bad against the Blitz? Because no because one was ever stupid enough to do it. He's he's inexperienced, and if you blitz and you miss, he's gone. That's what I'm saying. Nobody was ever stupid enough to do it. So, uh, time out. I'm going to tell you a little story, friends. When I was coming up, uh, I went to Mooresville High School uh, in Mooresville, Indiana. My head coach, Mark Bless, is the head coach at Avon High School, one of the best high school football programs in Indiana. Um, and we played uh, the likes of Ben Davis, but not in football. And because Ben Davis was a class ahead of us, we played him in like basketball, other sports, baseball, wrestling, stuff like that. And there was a kid that went to Ben Davis. Uh, his name was James Banks. And he was he was Mr. Football my senior year high school. He was a quarterback that was mobile. And I was friend. I ended up being friends with him. And we talked a little bit for about 18 months of my life. He went to University of Tennessee uh, on scholarship. Uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing. He did get injured, and, he, and then he also had some like off-the-field issues. And I'm not going to talk poorly about somebody that I barely know, but what I'm really getting at is I asked him what it was what it was like to be able to dunk when you're in seventh grade. And he said, well, no one will get in my way because they know it's going to happen anyway. So why be on a poster, Right. It's the same thing with Lamar Jackson being the best athlete on the field, hands down, with the ball in his hands. If you take too many people from out in front of him and put them at the – they're trying to get to him, he'll run right by him. And then you don't have enough people back to keep him from scoring. He's just he's, – it's like a track meet now, and he gets a head start, and everybody else's hips are still parallel and facing him, right? You know, it's, it's you hear this – Every time that, that Lamar Jackson gets on TV, you know, you, all you got to do is put eight in the box. That isn't that, no, 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 no. You have to stay outside of him and ke- take good angles and stay in your lanes, right? And no matter what the offensive line does, you got to you gotta stay in those lanes because if you give him a gap and you take away his options, right? You play good, sound d- defense in the secondary, he's going to have to take off more often than not. And he's been able to make money there. Right. And that comes in the form of he does it with his legs a lot. Right. The only thing I'd add to that is when I look at um, hits and sacks, I don't know that that's the best thing to do against the Colts. The Colts do get 
a lot of like good hit and I there's not it's not really a good statistic for this but I it's like a good hit on a quarterback um not trying to injure him or you know you'd love you'd love for Lamar Jackson to have to go sit down because he's you know he's banged up right for like a series you want to play your opponent when they're at their best right but you would love to smack him one time make him go have to think about it right and then the rest of the afternoon, he's letting go of the ball real quick, and he's really not trying to put. He's really not trying to run with that ball, and he's really avoiding contact at all. You know what I mean? You would really is, like him to play. This like is this. where, this is where like the Colts blitzing, and even if you don't sack him, you get a couple of hits, you get a couple of pressures, you let him know you're there, and it gets in their head. It's it's the exact reason why I've brought this up before. Um, why teams would blitz. Um, or bring pressure to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady up in their face. Um, because if they see it, because they're always looking, and if they see it and they see that you're getting there and it's consistent, they're going to be a little bit, you know, Peyton always had happy feet as it were, but they're going to move a little quicker mm-hmm. and maybe he doesn't get set. So maybe that ball floats and you get an opportunity to make a play on it. And that's kind of what the Colts have been able to do in the past couple of weeks, especially last week with, with, Darius Leonard being back and and against Matthew Stafford, he was able to make him feel that they were there. And that's yeah. just as that's just as valuable as, you know, it's not just as valuable. It's just a little bit less valuable than getting a sack, but it's still very, very valuable for a defense to be able to put pressure on a quarterback. Because you look at the the Colts throughout the season and and you go to week one against Gardner Minshew and they didn't get any pressure on him. And right. a guy like Gardner Minshew, who now has been benched for the Jacksonville Jaguars, holds <laughs> up. He was like a ninety-something percent completion percentage. Nineteen for twenty. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Ninety-five percent completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Like, and Colts defense, when you let guys, when you let quarterbacks get in a role and feel comfortable, any quarterback at an NFL level that that is playing in the NFL could put up those numbers against you. If you make them start to feel the heat, you make them feel that pressure, then the Colts and, and you're able to get in their head a little bit. So they start to rush things. They, they don't always go through with their mechanics like they normally would because they're trying to avoid that pressure. They're always thinking in their head, I got to get this out. I got to get this out. I got, I'm going to get hit. Right. And so that was one of the things uh, that's a big thing for the Colts this week against the Ravens is to be able to make Lamar Jackson feel that pressure. Like you said, it's, it's not always about just getting sacks. It's about getting hurries. It's about getting pressures. It's about making him feel there. Right. It's uh, it's, it's as much, as much as it is like a, a back and forth, right. Where you're, you're giving some, you know, they're going to, ha- they're going to have those seven yard runs on first down. It's going to happen guys. Just, I'm letting you know now they're, they're going to look real good in spots. But ultimately, the math just says they're more likely to turn the ball over on offense. Um, and it's it's not actually – they've got like um, four times as many uh, lost fumbles, which is, again, hardly significant. I'm calling myself out um, because they have four fumbles and we only have one. So, like, you know what I mean? Like it's significant because you're looking over a body of work and saying like they fumble the football. They, they, they tend to, this, this is one of those weeks where Darius Leonard is going to be in national media where they're like calling this guy a freak 
um, because he has an interception, because he uh, strip sacks uh, Lamar, because he also knocks the ball out and gets a fumble because recovery. Because they finally let him be on national television. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's the thing is, like, that the Colts aren't on national television, like, at all this year. And yeah. so all these players are flying under the radar despite having fantastic seasons. Right. Like Darius Leonard coming off an injury had nine nine tackles, seven solo, and his and led his team uh, in tackles his first week back off injury. Like hello, hello. Like imagine what that game would have been for him if he had been fully healthy every week going into that game, and he's hitting his stride, as they say, right? Um, but that's the, that's that's the the difference here, not only in what we've already gone over, but the other difference is um, the way this, the ebb and flow of the season has gone. Um, It was a tight football game for the Ravens last week, but they did lose uh, a division game. Um, Anytime you lose a division game, it just, it just means one, it hurts uh, your playoff seating. If you make it, it also hurts your playoff odds because obvious. Right. Um, So that game loss for the Ravens last week was hurtful. Uh, And to immediately talk about the Colts in that regard, the Colts come off their best possible outing. You're right. Best outing to date. (laughs) Most productive outing to date. On both sides of the football, the, you know, I think that what we say the only mar uh, was uh, the kicking game. We missed an extra point, right? Had so, a block punt and had a block punt. Those are really the only two really like, oh, that's, you know, could have done without that. Uh, really, everything else about that football game last week for the Colts went right. And if you just listen to what we're saying, we're saying like, hey man, uh, the the keys to the game are. Um, uh, run the football because you can and because of personnel issues. Uh, stop the run because you must. They're best in the league at it. Um, understand that they're going to go all out go all out on third down. And as a result, there there's going to be those questionable plays that we hate. You hate it when it happens to you, right? Where it's a questionable, like, Defensive pass interference, for example, is basically what I'm saying. Or like defensive holding, right? That's going to happen on third down. That's the Ravens are going to go all out on the on the off chance they just don't get called for it. They won, right? As long as the outcome is in their favor. Um, and I just think Philip Rivers is smart smarter than that. So it's like uh, playing chess against a chess player. Uh, we're better chess players. If the Colts were not best in the league against the run, then I would say the Ravens have the upper hand, right? They're they're going to get over on us. They're going to run the ball all day. There's nothing we could do about it. No, the Colts defense is very young and athletic, and they are built to take on the likes of an exact Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Keep in mind this defensive like system ish also beat and and handled Patrick Mahomes in in Kansas City in Arrowhead, right? We 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 bested him. The same same kind of defensive, you know what I mean? So like, it's very very realistic that on and it's two and a half points. 
the Colts are two and a half point favorites at home. Uh, the home team gets three points or two and a half point dogs. I'm sorry. The Colts are two and a half point underdogs at home. You get three points as the home team. So what this means is that Vegas thinks the Colts win by one. So I think it's like a 24, 23 game or a 28, 27 game. Now um, you got it. You got it. Flip. The, the Colts get three points for being at home. So they, the Vegas actually thinks that the Ravens would, win by six this was like a neutral site since uh, we're playing in alex soil see what i'm saying no i'm i'm saying like the home team gets three points is like a, a betting theory like the yeah, home team gets three like, points in the line so like if the colts were supposed to be like if they they thought this was a pick em game you know, then the Colts would be, um, then it would be Colts minus three. Right. If they, if they think it's, if they think it's an overtime football game, it'll be a three point. Just so, just so everyone knows this, if it's a minus three, exactly plus three, exactly. If you, if you have information either way, suggesting who you think will win, bet it because Vegas says, uh, it's a overtime football game. Which is Seattle by this week, by the way. Um, but yeah, the Colts are the Colts are supposed to lose according to Vegas by one. I just think it's the other. I think it's the other way. Um, they're they're just uh, they're, it's that it's that penalties. It's the it's the turnovers. Uh, a little more a little more likely to turn the ball over. Um, Seventy. We have about. You know, we only have about 70% of the turnovers that uh, we've only given up about 70% of the turnovers that uh, the Ravens have. And we play stylistically the same. You talk about um, similar, similar um, uh, rush yards. Uh, Colts, by the way, a lot of people have, uh, there's been a lot of talk this year about Eason and about Brissett. Uh, and even about Philip Rivers. Um, and to date, the Colts have a top five, uh, top five to top ten um, passing offense in terms of efficiency, uh, and are the ninth best scoring offense in the NFL. Uh, and they were not that with Jacoby. So I don't know how you the Colts are like actually like real bad in those categories in terms of passing offensive efficiency and scoring offense under Jacoby last year was 24th and 30th. Um, so just for all that conversation out there and, and to even speak to Jacob Eason's offensive efficiency as a quarterback in college, um, he's not in the ballpark of Philip Rivers. So there's been a lot of talk when do the Colts move on to Eason or, or let Jacoby play when they're up by, and it's over when the opposing quarterback's gone out and you're up by seven touchdowns and there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Go ahead, Jacoby. That that's when they play, but otherwise Phillip rivers is um, doing very well. Like he think about how little, how very infrequently you see him on his butt. That's like what you're trying to avoid. 
right? By coming to Indianapolis, that's the whole reason to come here is to you. The game is over and your uniform is still clean, right? That's why you come here because that offensive line does not play. Um, and we've done, they've done that. It hasn't been pretty. They've had bad weeks. Anthony Costanzo missed the game, right? Miles Garrett got to us, right? But on the whole, it's everything is doing. We're Colts are doing exactly what I figured they do. Maybe not. Maybe maybe losing that game to Jacksonville is a bit of a bit of a disappointment because it is a division game and it is totally a winnable game. We just we basically played off coverage all day and let um, Gardner Minshew hit you, and he's not afraid to throw the slant or the dig. So he was able to get you for ten to seventeen yards, and he crushed us in that category. His average his average ball was like fourteen point three three yards. Like he's literally throwing a one two three throw. You know what I mean? And just getting ten to seventeen yards. There you go. <laughs> hey, play off coverage. See what happens. You know what I mean? And then obviously Shark Shark is a above average uh, wide receiver. And I say that with no disrespect. Like he's he's really good, right? So you got a really good wide receiver is going to get you once. I'm saying the same thing here. Um, if I understand correctly, um, Mark Ingram is out. Hasn't been a big factor for them, but he has been a, a standby, uh, a, you know, part of the rushing attack. Uh, not not only has been a non-factor, if I understand correctly, will also not play. Uh, so it does it does kind of more focus the attention on. Uh, the known the known weapons right like the Andrews the Brown the Lamar Jackson the you know I mean the, they've got um, dot was it Dobbins right the little running back from Ohio State um, so yeah the Ravens certainly yeah sorry that is J.K. Dobbins yeah uh, and if you watch college football Dobbins is a beast um, and obviously he's he's playing on the best rushing offense in the NFL. So he's obviously having himself a hell of a time, right? But um, when you when you are lim- when your opponent's weapons are limited even a little and your game plan, game plan is a little clearer, um, for example, the Colts have been – Phil Rivers has been able to spread the ball around all year, and he has reliable targets. He is just missing like a big – game-changing wide receiver right so ultimately if like ty hilton ends up having to shut it down this could put the colts into a position to go out and get a playmaking wide receiver right they need to get they need to get the guy that you just pushes the y button and does that thing right you you need that you need a paris campbell you need a ty hilton you need that you need those players while you draft them right uh, hopefully, like we like we've said, you know, without Ashton Doolin, he'd be like one of those guys. You're like, he's gonna make a big difference on special teams, and he's gonna step up and make a big catch in a big moment. Uh, recently, like you said, it's been Marcus Johnson. It's uh, uh, it's Michael Pittman. It, it's like you said, it's the tight end trio. It's the running backs that um, we expect big things out of. I I look I always look forward uh, to seeing who who's the hot hand running the football and then my favorite game to play is do we acknowledge that and keep pounding the rock because it's the right thing to do or do they oh he does really well and then they never do that again and you're like i don't understand he had like seven carries 
you know, for 50 yards on two consecutive scoring drives, and then they didn't touch the ball the rest of the game, right? Because that kind of that's the that's the realities we live in, right? Is that you'll see something? I promise you that tomorrow where you get frustrated, you're like, man, something X. You know, let's say it's Mo Ali Cox, three catches for 54 yards on two drives and two touchdowns, right? And then he doesn't touch the ball the rest of the game. He also plays a lot, runs a lot of routes, and just isn't being targeted. And I promise you, promise you, it's he's getting basically uh, the defense overcorrects is far more likely than he was injured or his success was a fluke, which I have been hearing a lot um, uh, from uh, people on social media. When someone does something well at a very high level, it's, it's a fluke. Um, You know, you know, the national media, the way they'll talk about uh, the Colts on offense is that they're, um, you know, they're missing, uh, Marla Mack, Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton's limited. They will have a very limited um, sort of thought process as it refers to the guys behind them. So don't be surprised tomorrow if national media has no idea who the Colts backups are, because uh, that's coming. Um, but you know, we, we know going into this game that I have a ton of, I have a, a ton of respect for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, in a, in a, in a, in a world that we live in, I really feel like the Lamar Jackson pick, um, will, will be looked at as, um, or, um, organization, cha- not organization changing, uh, league changing. And and when you say things like that, world changing, Um, where uh, for the longest time in the NFL, and I'm talking about obviously its entirety, but specifically uh, it has become untrue that black quarterbacks are not reliable uh, and that they're great regular season quarterbacks, but once they get into the playoffs that they can be schemed against. Um, but more specifically, the issue I have is that that is a racist statement and what it is ignoring is that frequently what you are coupling with blackness is superior athleticism. And it is guys like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak, that are just superior athletes playing quarterback, Lamar Jackson, superior athletes playing quarterback, um, to the degree that, a lot of teams wanted Lamar Jackson to play wide receiver, play running back, to take the ball out of his hands and give him the ball instead because of that thought process. And it was the Baltimore Ravens that selected him as at quarterback to close the first round of uh, it was a 2018 NFL draft uh, and have set the tone since in the NFL on offense. So it is a big deal. This game is a big deal, right? The the Colts, this franchise was born in Baltimore. And I'm talking about the Colts. So, and we're not rivals, right? There's no bad blood here. There's, I have a great, I don't know about you, Steve. I am speaking personally. I have no no disrespect for the Ravens. I take, Ravens, I take them very seriously. I think that, uh, John Harbaugh is one of the best uh, 
I'd call him one of the better defensive defensive uh, scheme um, coaches in the NFL and the way he schemes for teams. Uh, execution is a whole another animal, and we've already kind of addressed that. Like they're kind of sloppy, but that's what happens when you're playing 100 miles an hour, going all out, and kind of going for that, uh, being a little more aggressive and being willing to take a few more penalties to force a big play on the on the off chance that that doesn't get called, right? That's kind of I am kind of you know, d- ducking the goose as it is. You know what I mean? Like I'm calling it something qu- not quite what it is, right? But that is kind of how. Baltimore plays is uh, fast uh, in, in a lot of ways. Like I said, in a lot of ways, you're playing against the mirror. They, they're going to feel a lot alike, right? The Colts aren't great at running the ball, but we want to. And we are, we do have success doing it. We're just missing our starting running back, right? So um, it's a matter of who steps up, who stands out. Um, you, you know, you'd love to have, you know, everyone, screaming down the field right because like i've like as i've already said it has to happen you have to score touchdowns you have to keep hold of the football and offense you have to be able to run the football to control the clock because if you give lamar jackson too many opportunities you're going to get run out of the building because coupled with his athleticism and their ability to run the football and their ability to possess the football is um, well, they're a little more likely to turn the ball over. They're also a little more likely to score a touchdown than the Colts on offense. Um, so they're not as likely to score. So I want to make sure I say that there's a difference. They're not as likely to score. They are more likely to turn the ball over than the Colts, but they're also more likely to score a touchdown than the Colts. Um, and they are a, they aren't, they are a, they're basically even in terms of scoring offenses. Um, so you just don't want to give that offense a ton of opportunity. Cause remember, it doesn't matter one drive, uh, one scoring drive, right? Like early in this, in a game is not going to make or break the game. Right. And I keep harping on, you know, Hey, the first team to kick a field goal loses. I keep telling you, like, it's these things. It's not giving up a scoring drive. Those things happen. This is the NFL, right? I don't believe, right? Like Miami's Miami has looked good. I'm trying to think of teams that like even wash, even like Washington hadn't looked awful with Gibson and Allen playing pretty well. So I'm talking in terms of teams that are typically like bad on offense have, have actually looked. So this might be like the, best looking the NFL has been in a while on offense. Um, except that, um, and it, and it, it's more of, uh, you just don't want this to become a turnover fest, right? Is, is what we really have. Cul- you know, I'm kind of culminating my, everything I've said about this game with, you don't want to get into the same kind of game that they're willing to play. Uh, and that is being a little more turnover or penalty friendly uh, in order to get a splash play. Um, I like the style that Colts play like super disciplined. Uh, we can, we can dictate the pace of the game uh, and frequently get control of the game, right? So control of the game for the record for, I'm sure there's people out there that are, that are listening to us and are like, I wonder what they mean when they say things like 
are in control of the game. My perspective, you have the football and you are up two possessions. You are in control of the football game. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but as a general, like, that's what I mean. And that's what the Colts need to do is get control of the game, knowing that Baltimore is a little more um, strikeout, home run, uh, threat. That's a little more their style. Uh, uh, what they're setting uh, setting you up for is the big play, right? Where uh, the Colts are less dependent on that, and more they're it's like the Colts the Colts focus on eliminating exactly what Baltimore is trying to do, right? And the Colt, for the record, the Colts would kill for a quarterback as athletic as Lamar Jackson. Like you would love, you would love to have him because you, you all the things the Colts want to do with running the football. If you have an athletic quarterback, you also get to do that. So don't be surprised for if if the Colts come away, especially if they lose, and and you get a little bit of jealousy out of Frank Reich. You want to call me on that next week, right? If, if Lamar Jackson has himself a big old game, Frank Reich may show us a little jealousy with, man, I'd love to have a super athletic quarterback that I could revolve, you know, evolve my offense, right? And because that that threat of option is such a great offensive system, mostly because the propensity of seven plus yard runs and like those 12 to 20 yard passes. And they just, it's like, it's a snowball effect. It just keeps happening. That's the way the offense is designed, but the way the Colts play is to limit that run play on first down. So now it's second and 10 and force you to throw to the sticks because you don't want to, you can't put Lamar Jackson in a third and long situation. His skill set doesn't match up with, um, you know, you don't want him to pull the ball down and try to run with it on third and ten. He's gonna want. He doesn't want to also throw that. He doesn't want to be doing that because on third and ten, the defense should be pinning their ears back, trying to get to the quarterback in a hurry, and that's like the nightmare scenario for Lamar Jackson. And I literally just set up the future for you, right? Tomorrow you're gonna watch that, where because of the way the Colts uh, play sound defensive football where it's not, oh, the Colts had to sell out and stop the run. No, the Colts just play great rush defense uh, and force Lamar Jackson and the Ravens into a third and long situation, and they fail over and over and over again because he has to throw, and the Colts blow them out. Don't be surprised because the way Baltimore's been disruptive on defense feeds into what Phillip Rivers is good at, which is blitzing. Right. So like like we've said, it's it, you're kind of playing the mirror and it just so happens which which you're good against. They're good at. Right. So these are these are feeding the Colts. Um, and like like I said, get in, get into play at home uh, and and getting to say not only are the Colts five and two, but they're relatively healthy. All things considered. Right. Yeah. Relatively healthy. Um, and that, and, and I think 
not only are the Colts relatively healthy, but I think I said, like I said, Ingram's out. And I think, didn't Baltimore lose their left tackle? Yeah, Ronnie Stanley got injured for the season. Yeah, and and that's unfortunate because like I like I always say, I want to play every opponent at their best. Obviously, you play them where you meet them, right? But um, for them to be without their starting left tackle, the guy who um, protects Lamar Jackson, um, one, like one of the key the key offensive pieces, right? It would be like being without Costanzo, right? So it, it, I have a feeling this that. T- uh, tips the game even more in my eyes in the Colts' favor. But of course, you know, when you say that and you're wrong, you put your foot in your mouth. That's kind of why we're here, right? Um, but that's that said, you got anything else particularly about the game before we do our, our NFL pick them? Not really. I mean, in terms of what we've got going on, it's just the Colts need to be disciplined on defense. If they're disciplined on defense, it's going to be a long game for um mm-hmm. for the ravens and it's going to be a great game for the colts if they aren't disciplined on defense then it could get out of hand pretty quickly um because i don't know how comfortable i feel about the colts really having to score a lot of points to come from behind uh, they can score a lot of points if they're not like under pressure to score a lot of points <laughs> right um, and, and so that would be my big thing if the defense is it plays well and is disciplined. The Colts, I think, will win. Uh, if the defense is not disciplined and they make a lot of mental mistakes, get a lot of extra first downs that they shouldn't have, then I think this will be a long game. Yeah. And that's uh, that's how games get drug out is when both teams are getting a lot of shots at it. Um, and when you give uh, somebody 10, 10 plus possessions a game, which it doesn't actually happen very often, um, you, you're going to have a problem keeping them uh, from running it up on you. And that's the that's the thing about Baltimore. One of the things I will say to their credit, not only are they best rushing team in the league, uh, one of the best uh, overall defenses in the league, um, and and really good on offense, um, but they they seed just enough that they can be they can be they can be beat. Um, when I look at the Colts. My my fear is that while the Colts are playing well, keep in mind a lot of what's on the field for the Colts. Um, and I hate to be speak very broadly, with the exception of uh, acquired players like Buckner uh, and Houston. Uh, so outside of those guys, really, the re- rest of the Colts defense is like young. Uh, uh, kind of, I would call it like homegrown talent. These are guys we drafted that aren't first round draft picks. These are guys like they're found later on in the draft, largely um, that are having a massive impact and maybe, maybe up to this point are playing above um, what the bar is uh, given where like they were drafted or. Yeah. They're exceeding they're... expectations yeah. um, from, from when they initially came in and, that's one of those things where you look at it from the coaching standpoint and you say, okay, the coaches are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but yeah. you also look at that saying, all right, well, but these guys went in the later half of the the draft for a reason. And so you have to be a little bit concerned um, and, and hoping that they'll be able to keep up with a very talented Baltimore team. Yeah. And 
for the record, one of the key differences I've noticed um, between the Colts draft picks on, and again, I'm speaking very broadly, not trying to pick fights or arguments by bringing stuff up. The Colts will give up a little bit of girth for speed and length and versatility. And a lot of where... Can I what, tell you why they do that? Because speed because, kills. And not only... Speed kills, yeah. Uh, and you look for athletes, because athletes typically are the ones that, that perform better in the NFL level. It, it's a um, measure of discipline. The other thing that people maybe don't realize is Chris Ballard drafts for the um, Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. It is a fast fast surface it's one of the fastest surfaces in the nfl Mm -hmm. and so he drafts for speed because he knows that they can take advantage of that speed eight games a year right and it's not a three four defense played in uh in you know grass that's slow and no this is this is they have a fast surface so they draft fast players because they hope that those players are going to be able to maximize the talent that they have based on the location that they're playing. Um, you know, there's obviously coaching that goes into that, and there's there's other things too. But I think that's one of those subtle things that Chris Ballard does. And it's one of, one of the things in, in his introductory press conferences or right after it, he had mentioned saying, you know, in, in all of football, there's never been a 3-4 defense that played in a dome or played indoors that's won a Super Bowl. Hmm. Because 3-4 defenses aren't predicated on speed. And when you're playing indoors on turf, you are a speed defense, period. Right. Like you, you need to be. You need to you be need a speed to be. defense. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're not, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And so that's one of those things. And don't even – the Colts play eight games in Indianapolis. They play one game in Houston, and they play one game in Jacksonville. Warm weather cities, 10, 10, 10 games a year, you're playing outside of the elephants, ele- elements guaranteed. Right. So you just kind of use that as your template. You've got 10 games where you can maximize speed. So that's where Chris Ballard drafts. And that's what something that I thought I would just bring up here at the end of the podcast, a little nugget as to why you're going to see Chris Ballard, why you've seen him thus far and why you'll see him in the future draft speed over maybe a little bit more production at the college level, bigger guys, something like that. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things where you kind of are puzzled when, why he passed on DK Metcalf um, in the draft. Yeah, because he was, years ago he was because thick. He is speed, speed for days, but he had a bad three-cone drill that even I, as the, the person that judged wide receivers, I was worried about. Right. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where if you've got one unique trait and you can maximize that, then you can do well in the NFL. It's Robert Mathis, Dwight, Dwight Freeney. You know, they were fast. Yeah. They, for the... they weren't big, but they were fast. And they weren't super versatile, but they were fast. And you couldn't you couldn't touch them off the line. Right. And that's DK Metcalf is in terms of wide receivers. He Deshaun Deshaun Jackson's like that too. Like you can't he's fast and you can't can't teach fast. Yep. And, you know, it's like strength, agility, and speed. My 2K players that are listeners will understand. Like, DK Metcalf, typically what you pair with elite speed is agility, right? And in DK's case, it's strength, 
right? He does have stiff hips, right? All that all that means is that he's not meant to like stop, change directions, juke. That's not his stuff. He'll get you on a flag route though, and he'll get two yards on your cornerback, and your cornerback can't hold Hanna to him because DK is so big up top and so long that he's just a nightmare especially in the in the end zone and in the red zone because he has long arms, big hands and he's dumb fast and he also he, you're not going to hold his arms down. You know what I mean? He's not that kind of player. He it's even he, he's a he's a he's just a different breed of uh wide receiver than we've we've seen really in the NFL. Um and and I I look you know, hey, every time the Seahawks play, uh I was looking to DK Metcalf to kind of cap a drive off. Right. Like he, he just, that's, that's kind of what he does. Um, and, and I get, I understand why a lot of people, uh, wondered, you know, in hindsight, right. You always say hindsight's 2020. Yeah. A lot of people are, man, how come the Colts didn't draft DK Metcalf? How come they drafted, uh, Michael Pittman? Well, like I just told you, the Colts draft for speed and agility and are willing to give up on things like great strength because they, as we've just said, they play on turf a ton where being an athlete is more important than being like, you know, stupid strong. And while strength is important, uh, your health and, and your viability is important. And it's probably a lot easier on your body to train as a, um, like an elite athlete, right. To train for speed and agility as opposed to strength. Um, because strength training is where a lot of injuries occur. Um, but a lot, like you're doing a lot of, um, sprints and, and jogging around and stuff like generally low impact stuff, lower impact stuff. Um, but yeah, I just think the, like we like we as we as we've you know kind of close up talking about uh the game against the ravens um i feel good about feel good about this one you want to talk about who we think is going to win the games tomorrow and kind of get out of here yeah yeah sounds like playing all right so start with tomorrow the denver broncos i'm going to pick play. the packers to win on thursday yeah Good choice. I feel confident in that one. Yeah, the Niners are pretty banged up, so we'll see what happens. Oh, wait. Nailed it. Uh, and then uh, the the Denver Broncos play at the Atlanta Falcons at 1 o'clock. Who do you think wins that game? That's actually probably the toughest game. <laughs> if you're right, really start with. Pick. Yep. Um, just because they're both not very good. Um, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I, mean, I think that now that they fired Dan Quinn, they, they're going to – they 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 had a good good game last week. They'll they'll put it together again this week and and get a win. Yeah, I, I do like Drew Locke, um, but a lot of what what Atlanta's problem had been is they'd kind of gotten in their own way. Uh, so they had been productive and shown out they just hadn't been able to close and they, they kind of got over the hump after they fired their head coach so like you said i agree i think atlanta uh has more firepower uh and as a result uh wins at home and then the seahawks play at the buffalo bills in what i again expect to be a great football game i think um 
This one, this one's tough for me. Um, I think probably the Seahawks win this game. Even though it's played in Buffalo, the lack of fans really kind of gets me and pushes me over the edge. Yeah. If this, uh, I would be more, I'm 100% on board with you in that I think Seattle wins in overtime um, in a game there. Uh, like I said, I think they're three point favorites on the road so vegas says they're going to win by a tutter uh i just think it's like an ot game uh and seattle gets a big road win uh tickets are 40 bucks by the way um i would totally go to that for 40 bones if i lived in the buffalo area um the chicago bears play at the tennessee titans who do you think wins that one 137 dollars what I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that I think the Chicago Bears win this game because they have a really good defense, and I don't think Tennessee's offense is very good if you shut down Derrick Henry. Yeah, and, and it's it's for that reason, um, I think, like, on the contrary, I think... Tennessee wins this game because Chicago's that bad on offense. <laughs> I think yeah, Tennessee... Yeah, it's like it's both valid. It's like you don't know how Chicago's going to do. You don't know how Tennessee's right. going to do on offense. It's whichever. Let's put it this way. I think whoever wins is whichever defense scores the most points. So it's do you trust Vrabel or... Do uh, I trust Pagano and his defenses score yeah. more points? Then I trust, and I'm I'm literally talking about the defense scoring more points, like right. pick sixes, fumble returns for touchdown, block points. Right. I have more faith in Pagano's defense to do that than I do in Vrabel's defense to do that. And then the Panthers play at the Kansas City Chiefs at one o'clock. Who do you think wins that one? That one's the Chiefs for me. It's, it's, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'll tell you this all straight up is I'm not going to bet against the Chiefs in any game this season um, just because they are that good. Yeah. Until something changes, until a slew of injuries hits them, um, Kansas City is going to win this game by double digits. Um, Even that's with CMC back for the Panthers. Uh, And then the Detroit Lions play at the Minnesota Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota Vikings in this game. Okay. I'll take Detroit. We're going Apple a lot this week. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm I'm trying to see if I if I can justify it. I'm trying to, right? So, with Detroit, um, my concern is, obviously, they got walloped last week, right? Uh, they got pretty much doubled up. And yeah. that can be but devastating to your Colts. morale. Yeah. Uh, that can be devastating to your morale and it can affect future output. Um, so mm. I would, I would kind of be manning up that locker room, uh, put on your man pants, time to go out there. Yeah, but here, here's my counter to that. That means you have to have a leader that you think can man up the locker room. And I don't think Matt Patricia can do that. Agree. And that's, 
that's why I was trying to say, like, I'm trying to justify, can I take opposite of you just to do that? I don't think so. I think uh, Dalvin Cook is enough for me to say, like, hey, like, he's going to put up 100-plus yards and a couple tutters. Do you have that on, on the ground? You don't? Oh, well, Cousins, Stafford, eh. You know what I mean? Eh. Okay. I mean, obviously, I would take Stafford, but... All right, they're okay quarterbacks. Um, so I'm I'm inclined to agree. Minnesota gets a big home win, and then the New York Giants play at, uh, at the Washington Football Team. You think wins that one? I don't know. They're both so bad. They the are. whole NFC East is so bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'll take Washington. Uh, same game. Same. Absolutely. Uh, it's not necessarily anything against uh, Daniel Jones. Um, I like to reward consistency. Uh, and Washington, uh, how do I say it, hasn't been half bad uh, in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh, in their last outing, uh, Kyle Allen had a good outing, a couple tutters, no picks. Uh, uh, I think he was under duress quite a bit, and that offensive line's not great. But also, Antonio Gibson had 100 plus yards and two touchdowns, or and a touchdown. I think I could be wrong. I'm I could be completely wrong. Antonio Gibson has played well recently. Um, but I say that to say like that's not the first time this year. And McLaurin had a big game too, if I remember correctly. And I'm talking about like a two game spread. So like if their if their offensive uh, stalwarts are standing out. Um, in recent games, that tends to lend to future success. Uh, and Washington getting a big home stand, that does a lot for morale. Uh, so for that reason, I think Washington gets a big home and win emotionally. Uh, and then the Texans and Jags play in Jacksonville on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Who do you think wins that? Dumpster yeah. fire of a football game. Seriously. like yeah. um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I'm going to say the Texans win this game because I have no faith in the Jaguars at all. No. Um, and that's been pretty consistent all year is I have had no faith in the Jaguars at all. I think Texans win this game primarily because um, Jacksonville doesn't have a counter to uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, <clears throat> I have a ton of respect for uh, his production, despite his conditions, losing my voice. I apologize. Um, but Deshaun Watson has, I feel so bad for him. He's surrounded by ineptitude and has thrived despite that. I think they'll win on Sunday too. Excuse me just a second. And then the Raiders play at the Chargers at 405. Who do you think wins that game? Yeah, this is a, we got a lot of good games this week that are yeah. like, like a bunch of pick 'em games. I'm watching basically. that game. Um so I'm you know, I'm gonna go with the Raiders. Uh you No, no, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I'm gonna go yeah. with the Chargers. I'm I'm going yeah. with, with Herbert and, yep. and that's that's where I'm going. Yep. I'm I uh I I I don't dislike 
I'm trying to think if there's an NFL player that I actively dislike. I don't think that there is an NFL player that I actively dislike. But towards the bottom of the players that I like is Derek Carr. And it's not personal. Um, it's just if I have to decide between uh, a close game and who I have more faith in, I think Derek Carr had a good year last year, and maybe he has like a good year on the whole. Um, but I'd rather have Justin Herbert. I think that he has um, – he's multidimensional. He's, a, a, again, an elite athlete playing quarterback uh, on his NFL team. And I'm inclined to think, like, especially like a division game, a regular season game – I will take the athlete at quarterback a lot. Um, so I think I agree with you. I think the Chargers get a big old win, a big old dub at home. Um, and then let's see, the Steelers play the Cowboys. I think we both know Steelers are winning that game on the road, right? Yeah, it's the Steelers. Steelers win. Uh, Miami plays uh, at Arizona. That should be an exciting football game. Tua versus. Uh, Oh, I could picture Kyler. Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Kyler versus Tua. Uh, episode one. Um, two really good young quarterbacks, man. Super uh, excited. I'm gonna go with Arizona because I think they're a better team than yeah. Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miami's a couple years away. Arizona. This is a good year for them. They got five. Yeah. I think they have five or six wins already. Yeah, I think uh, they're five and two. Yeah, five and two. Yep. And then. Sunday night football game of the week outside of uh, obvious uh, Colts Ravens. Uh, the New I, Orleans Saints play at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I will take the New Orleans Saints in this game. <sighs> you can make me do it. Right. Tampa Bay's going to get a big win at home, man. Weapons all over the place. Uh, I just think. I mean, I, I I I like Drew Brees. I I said I have said to start the. Are season, they getting Michael Thomas back? I'm pretty sure they're getting Michael Thomas back. Yeah, that's that's my pushover right there. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, I'd be like, hey, I don't know if they can keep up. But I'm like, you know what, Brees and Thomas, it's just it's just too good. Yeah, he just eats balls. Um, it's weird. It is weird. What I mean is like you throw it at him and he catches it. Um, oh, gotcha. I, I'm just going to pick opposite of you for the purpose of saying I can justify that. Tampa Bay's oh, yeah. off, offense is off the charts. Defense is playing well, great against the run. Uh, the, the only questions I have is um, a guy like Alvin Kamara is not a traditional running back. He's special. And the question is, is Tampa Bay's rush defense special? I don't know. Um, then Monday Night Football, the Patriots play at the Jets. And again, I think we know the Patriots are going to win that game, right? I um, hope so, for the Patriots' sake. Right. Because they're so bad without Tom Brady now. <laughs> like it's it's yep. kind of funny, but also kind of sad. See, what, what Tom Brady is, if nothing else, is terribly consistent. 
I was like, he's steady. Like, that's it. Like, he's steady. You know exactly what you're getting with Tom Brady. Most of the time, you're, he's going to do the right thing. Yep. 60, 70% of the time. And if everyone else does their dang job, going to win the game. And the problem that New England had um, at times, obviously, when it comes to playoffs, Super Bowls, and, and, and all that stuff, if they didn't have uh, the exact personnel, they didn't win those games. Um but tomorrow is, or Monday night's not one of those nights. Uh, New York is god awful. I would be surprised if Gaze has a job after this year, week, much less year. Um, but yeah, I just this isn't this that game's not close on Monday night. An embarrassingly bad Monday night football game. Um, and then to kind of close us out here, brother, on uh, tomorrow at one o'clock, the Baltimore Ravens play at the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you think we we, we we talked about it. I think Colts yeah. win this one, right? I think that I think the Colts win this game. I think it's gonna be tight. I think it's gonna be like 27, 21, 30, 30, 24 kind of game. Um unless unless the defense really comes to play, uh, that's Colts win. The defense really comes to play. I could see them really shutting down the the Ravens and them only scoring like you know, somewhere along the lines of 13, 17 points, somewhere around there. Um I think the Colts score into the twenties regardless. Um and so I'm going to say the Colts win. I'll say they win by four. So yeah, I'll, I'll put it at 27-23 Colts. I hear you. And for th- for that, um, yeah, I think the Colts win. Uh, as far as score, uh, I think more along the lines of like 24-14. Uh, 24-17, something like that, uh, in favor of the Colts. Um, again, because you said the, it's like they're playing into our trap, right? And and you know when you you play you your strength plays into your opponent's strength. They tend up they end up kind of nullifying each other, right? They end up neither takes over the game, and they just kind of well, we don't run the football anymore. We're going to try to pass and let Lamar run around and make things happen. Um, and that's and that's where I could see the Colts also get, get them beat. Um, but let's just let's just say for the for the sake of consistency, right? Uh, coming off a couple wins, um, looking good the last couple weeks. Rivers has looked good. Getting to play at home. Um, it's an important game in that it's. Uh, an AFC opponent, right? Um, that you may either you're going to have to prepare for in the playoffs anyway. So you might as well, might as well get a good look at them right now. Um, and hope you can get a win and not have to show your hand. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't you, cause you, you don't want to necessarily search too much in these games, but you know, it's, yeah. you still have got to, still got to pull out the win cause you can't play it super conservative. Right. And so that's the kind of delicate balance. The Colts will kind of look to to strike tomorrow as they face an explosive offense and a very capable defense. So overall, very good football team. Um, and again, um, this has been episode 11. Either episode 10 or 11. I think it's 11. I'm pretty sure it's 11, and I said it was 11 up front. Um, 
of Afternoon Pancakes. You can find us on social media at Pod Pancake. Uh, you'll get a notification when we post episodes and we kind of post like updates throughout the week um, as to, you know, like when we were, we would record. Um, I'm glad we waited this week because of the injury report and because of the movement uh, the Colts made in terms of, you know, picking guys above the practice squad. It's, it was something, oh, hey, Darius Fountain's back, right? Or, you know, this linebacker has come back. Like, oh, the Colts are preparing for the run, and they needed to bring back a wide receiver because T.Y. is kind of banged up, right? Right? It kind of gives you a little extra information to give to you guys, right? So uh, I understand, you know, we've, we've ranged we, anywhere from Tuesday to about an hour before the game is uh about when these podcasts come out and of course i i would love to uh put out a podcast cast more consistently but uh i'm a i'm on team people man and, and we're just going through a crazy time right now so while we're going through this crazy time uh i want to be with with steven uh on our podcast when he's ready and able and that's how kind yeah, of so- approaching Everybody should understand that when our podcast is delayed, it's always because of me. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's, a, and that's, that's the truth. not what that's I was saying. Truth. No, that's the dead on truth. It is always because because of me, and I apologize, guys. We are going to try to get a little bit more uh, consistent in our scheduling, so then you guys know exactly what day we're coming on and, and what day you can expect to hear us on the podcast on the Stampede Blue Podcast Network. And so, yeah, um, like Jared was saying, make sure you follow both of us on the Twitter machine, Jared at Likely Alien, uh, myself at Nice Read Steve, follow the pod podcast on at Pod Pancake. Uh, download us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, from the dark web, if uh, for whatever reason you want to get your podcast from the dark Cause web, I- do that. Because <laughs> rate us five stars if you can. Um, and then other than that, go Colts. Go Colts, baby. Six and two in uh, top three in the AFC. Go blue. Go blue Colts. Big old home win this week.